15.30. On this week's episode, we're going to be recapping the Paris Masters and who won those 1,000 points there. I know Djokovic has been a force there, but it's also produced a series of upsets in the past. Jack Sock won it last year. Who won it this year? Uh, we're also going to cover one of the more exciting formats of the ATP World Tour, uh, the World Tour Finals, the round-robin matches, and who ultimately came out on top. That happened uh, today. We're also going to look at the career uh, points of Roger Federer and also Del Potro. They seem like they're having different years this year. We're going to compare it to their numbers at their peak. My name is Ben Olvera. I'm Matt Smith. We're just two fans living on opposite sides of the United States, bringing statistics to the tennis world. Why don't you start us out with the stat of the day? Stat of the day. So the stat of the day is 17%. 17%. So this number comes from us today from the final of the ATP World Tour Finals. One of the players won 17% of his points total on return points. Pretty low, especially for this player who's known for his returning prowess. So we'll talk more about who these players are and who came out on top at 17%. That's paltry, even for someone with not very good returning um, acumen. So that was a pretty big shock. Um, but we're going to go ahead and shift first before we go to the AP, ATP World Tour Finals to Paris. So first off, if you were able to see the Roger Federer, Novak Djokovic semifinal clash, that was some of the best tennis of the year, in my opinion. Federer was playing vintage Fed, finding that backhand up the line. He was never broken throughout the match. He ultimately lost the thriller three sets and 7-6, 5-7, seven, 7-6. Six, seven, seven, six. Even the, the first set tiebreaker, he had some chances. Uh, but Novak was just too strong, even though Novak got broken the second set. Third set, he held strong and won in the tiebreaker. Really not much separated these two, these two titans. It was won by very few points. Um, ultimately, I think, though... Djokovic was able to rely a little bit more on his second serve. Fed had to fight hard to return. And ultimately, that last tiebreak just didn't have enough. But the final, uh, Djokovic was a little bit tired, a little bit, maybe even a little bit sick, apparently. Uh, but he faced the young Rus Russian, Karen Hatchinoff. And Hatchinoff got one of the, the best upsets of the year, in my opinion. He beat Novak Djokovic. Very, very interesting match. Let's go through some of the numbers of that match. This is kind of an odd result. I think it shocked a lot of people. So Hatchinoff, he uh, was pretty dominant on his serve. He won more points on his serve. Um, looks like it was about 2% more um, first serves or first serve percent, excuse me, 5% first serve one overall. Um, but he was able to, he saved fewer break points. So these are numbers not compared to Djokovic. Sorry, these are numbers compared to his 2018 year, which has been pretty good. So Hatchinoff really didn't even have his best game. Like he said, he he saved fewer break points, won fewer break points. He won even 5% fewer return points. But his serve, since I said he was able to win a few more service points, his service key, his service for the length list. Djokovic, you know, he even started off with a break, but Hatchinoff came right back. And it was interesting to see that the Djokovic wilted. Um, I don't know, Matt, were you able to catch any of the Paris or any of the, the upset news? I wasn't. But it is interesting to look at these numbers, and I think – it plays into that, and we've talked about this a little bit, just the fact that, you know, you can look at the stats all day. At the end of it, 
there's always a little bit of luck involved. <laughs> there's always a little bit of fortune there. So I think this might have right. somehow just kind of played into Kachino's favor. And you're right, he has a, a really nice serve. Paris, I know, plays faster than a lot of other uh, tournaments, and so that probably played into it, made it a little bit harder for Joke to get the ball back. But um, certainly probably some, some other confounding factors in there than just right. uh, pure tennis. Right. Like you're saying, if I would have compared these numbers, looked side by side, I would have said he would have lost probably, um, especially since he didn't really win very many return points compared to what he usually does. He won, like I said, we know break points. That is the pretty much the Pythagorean whole theorem for tennis wins. He won 4% fewer break points than he, than he has over his career and over this year. So pretty difficult to win matches, even overall, 1%, 1.5% total points fewer won. So I would say, ah, yep, you're probably not going to win if you if you can't beat these other other guys. But he did, like you said, he was fortunate. The serve was a little bit better, I think. And Djokovic maybe wasn't at his top of his game. Maybe Federer warm out. That was the longest match. I forgot to mention the longest match over three sets between Roger Federer and, and Djokovic. So for me as a fan, that was that was a treat to watch. Maybe it did wear down Djokovic, but very interesting. We do have the young guns, right? We talk about the next generation. Hatchinoff delivered. He he got a, he won a Masters 1000 upset Novak. As surprising as that was. True. They're chipping away little by little. Yeah, They'll exactly. Exactly. So do you want to talk about the, the World Tour Finals and kind of kind of how that went? Yeah, we can talk about it a little bit. Uh, everybody probably knows what happened. The results have been in for a while now, a little bit. But um, yeah, Joke lost his opportunity there as well. So fell to, to Alexander Zverev, another young gun. So it's good to see. You've got two tournaments here at the end of the year that these uh, young kids came in and are finally winning the matches, winning the tournaments. So I thought that was good. Right. Uh, right. And he was the, the one. Oh, go ahead. Go for it. I was going to say, he was the one, the 17%. Uh, Novak only won 17% of our turn points against Zverev. So that was their stat to start the day. So obviously very shocking straight sets result, but he beat Federer yesterday, straight sets result. So I wouldn't call this a fluke necessarily. I think Zverev is finally starting to live up his potential, and this is not a Djokovic is injured or not in top form. This is a Djokovic that won all of his round robin matches pretty easily. He just beat Anderson yesterday in the semifinal, six two six two. So I, I, for me, I think this is impressive. You know, obviously he hasn't done it in the slams, but he's won multiple Masters one thousands. He's beaten Djokovic multiple times. He's shown he can beat Federer. I, you know, I think this might be the real deal. Do you, do you think he's going to break through next year? Maybe win a slam. I, th I think so. I, it's hard. It's hard in these big tournaments but i mean the world tour final is a big tournament and he did it and i mean you go back to the break points one and zverev won four out of the six and joke only had one break point chance against uh alexander in this the whole match and that to me is really impressive not only was alexander taking advantage of the chances he did have he had way more chances even to to pull off a break than Djokovic even had which is uh, uh, hopeful and good to see for Zverev. Hopefully, he can take this into into this break that they get and come out in January with the same tenacity. Yeah, and I know we mentioned that Novak didn't win his normal numbers and return points, but also Novak wasn't even winning his second serve points. Usually, his second serve is very effective. Like I said, he usually is winning above fifty percent against Zverev over the match. He only won thirty four percent second serve points. Zverev, on the other hand, 53%. So you're talking about the break points. Zverev was putting the pressure on those second serves. 
of of Djokovic. And conversely, he was able to hold 53%. That's that's pretty comfortable. Um, and then another number that strikes out to me is so Zverev had 10 aces, Novak had one. Um, obviously, Novak's not known for a huge serve, but he's able to sneak a few aces in there. And for Zverev to ace the returning master of Djokovic 10 times, that says a lot about the young gun, in my opinion. I agree. Well, and even going back to that uh, second serve points, one at 34%, and you think, well, you know, Joke is a pretty high quality server. He probably didn't have that many second serves to begin with, but he was only serving 59% um, for serves. And so, yeah, he had a good amount of those second serve points that he had to play, and uh, Zverev certainly took advantage of it. Yeah, definitely. I was going to look here at the... Uh, no, that's a great point. I was going to look, uh, went over to just broke it down set by set. So in the second set, Novak only won two. That's right, two second serve points, one out of 13, for a grand total of 15%. So it got as low as 15%. In the second set. So Novak just, I mean, every time there was a second serve, Zverev was just coming up with the aggressive shot. And and Novak was on his back heels. Even though he he was able to break Zverev in that second set, Zverev was able to come right back easily and break Djokovic. So it says a lot about his mental game. that He's willing to go for it. Sometimes I feel like Zverev got, he has the weapons, especially on the backhand side. But I feel like sometimes he gets tentative and is waiting for the opponent to miss. Today he was not doing that. He was taking it to Novak making him defend, but also just making him look kind of like a normal player, not the defensive genius defense and offense that Novak usually is. So I don't know. I just, I don't think this is an anomaly. I think, I think we'll see Zverev playing more like this. Maybe it's the new coach, but very aggressive tennis from, from Zverev. Certainly. Yeah, I agree. Hopefully this helps him to get out of his head. I think uh, a lot of it for Alex is mental and uh, hopefully he can take this and build upon it and say, Hey, I can win in the big points. I can win the big matches. Let's go forward. So, right. And uh, and going back to, I guess we're going backwards, kind of. But we 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 uh, we gave you the best first, uh, the semifinal with uh, Feder and Zverev. So we said Feder lost straight sets. It was seven five seven six affair. Um, pretty close though. I mean, Fed's first serve wasn't great at fifty six percent, but he still won. 78% of his first serve points, 60% second serve. So Fed able to defend his serve fairly well. Um, still was broken twice. Um, I think just just Feder with the movement there wasn't able to quite put pressure on Zverev's serve. Um, only won 11% first serve points um, in 30 36% second serve points. So just not able to put the pressure. Ultimately, Zverev came out with that one, but he was he was just playing overall better tennis, a little bit more solid than than Roger. Right, yeah, this seems more of a game of inches when you look at the numbers solely than than even the final did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, Zverev didn't necessarily blow him out of the water. Didn't necessarily have a uh, fantastic numbers, but like you said, they were just a little bit better, just a little bit more consistent. Right, and that's all it takes. Right. So the people that made it into the last four. So we had obviously Zverev. Um, in the semifinals, beat, Jova, beat Federer, then beat Djokovic in the final to be the first German since uh, Boris Becker to win it, which was impressive. Kevin Anderson, another first-time uh, player to make it to the ATP World Tour. He's able to make it to – or World Tour Finals, excuse me. He was able to make it to the semifinals. Of course, he got worked by Djokovic. And then Federer, uh, pretty, pretty used to seeing him in the semifinals, though he had to overcome losing to Nishikori in the opening round. But still a very fun um, – 
end of the year tournament. We were missing a couple really good players of the year, though. We were missing, of course, Nadal, um, who sat out because of injury, and also Juan Martin Del Potro because of injury. So I want to talk a little bit about Juan Martin. Um, if you feel like, obviously, besides this last injury, but if you feel like overall 2018 was a pretty good year for him, you would have thought right. Your instincts would be correct. So 2009 is his best year, arguably, not only for ELO, but that's the year he won the U.S. Open, his only Grand Slam. He was pretty much unbeatable in the hardcourt season. And he even challenged Roger Federer, who went on to win the Roland Garros Championship. He challenged him in the semifinal, very tough semifinal. Um, though this year, arguably, looking at the numbers, I feel like he had a better statistical year. So if we look at the numbers here, he had 2% more aces in 2009, uh, but uh, and not at the expense of his first year percentage. So it was 4% higher, um, leading to 2.5% more first serves one. And sorry, this is more than 2009. So he was serving even better in 2018. So he pushed his numbers to an impressive 77% uh, first serve points one. That's, that's incredible, even at the top of the game. Um, second serves, second serve points one are about even 2009 to 2018. Um, but ultimately, Delpo won 3.5% more service games comparing 2018 to 2009. So he's just able to work his serve, being aggressive for placement, and also using that forehand as a weapon. So his game's even developed even more. Of course, returning, uh, the numbers aren't quite as good, but they're still pretty close. Um, let's see here. So his return numbers, the, I guess the big takeaway, though, with return is he's winning 3% fewer break points um, this, this year as opposed to his peak 20, 2009. So obviously putting that more pressure, he's able to win more break points, but... He's way harder to rake um, in 2018. Overall, he won 5% more sets in 2018, and that led to 1.5 matches more won in 2018. So overall, more successful year. He was able to win more matches, even despite injuries, and he was able to win more sets. So just, just talking about Del Potro, right? Able to win the Indian Wells final and able to become the U.S. Open finalist this year. Del Potro played some pretty great tennis. So hope to see more from him if he's healthy because – 2018 really was a career year for Juan Martin. Yeah, I agree. Overall, just much more solid, much more consistent. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned this a little bit. He started the year off maybe a little bit off his, he only made it to the round of 32 in the Australian Open. But in the other three Grand Slams, yeah, he didn't win them, but he made it to, at the French, he made it to the semis. At Wimbledon, he made it to the quarters. And in the U.S. Open, obviously, he made it to the finals. So he's there in contention. Yep. Um, it, just on the verge. I mean, I'm. I, I imagine it's got to be frustrating for Delpo. He comes back and he's playing solid tennis. You could argue, like you just did, that you know it's better than even when he he won in 2009. And uh, it, the big four just keep getting better. <laughs> it's like, don't they ever stop? <laughs> <laughs> don't they ever get out of the way? But uh, no, I agree. I think, I think if he builds on this and. I think it's smart of him to bow out of the World Tour Finals and really focus on making sure he's healthy to start next year and start from the from the get go and get out there and win. Right. I mean, two different wrist surgeries. Obviously, a lot to overcome. He still does slice the backhand maybe a little bit more than he needs to, but he's he's still a force on the tour for sure. Um, and the U.S. Open. I mean, I, we we talk about Federer being a fan favorite. Delpo. Delpo's crowds were, were huge, were very loud and, and boisterous. Delpo has love not only from his fellow 
players on the tour, but the fans love him pretty much everywhere he goes, but especially in New York. So hope to see more from him. I don't know if he'll win another slam, but he will, I think, continue to entertain us. And we'll see if he can defend his title Indian Wells. I think that'll be the first uh, big test for him besides Australia. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. And then also just wanted to to turn turn time turn the tide over to Roger Federer. So obviously maybe a kind of a lackluster year, uh, according to his um, lofty standards, right? And a lot of people have been talking about uh, 37, maybe you know the retirement talk again and again. Um, Played pretty badly at the U.S. Open. Got upset by Kevin Anderson in a thrilling five-setter at Wimbledon. And those are two tournaments, especially Wimbledon, where he's been pretty good. But at the same time, he started the year great. He won the Australian Open. He reclaimed the number one, number one title uh, when he won at Rotterdam. Made the final of Indian Wells. Of course, Del Poe got him out there in a very tense three-setter. And Federer even had match points there. So what kind of year has he had? So we want to look at the numbers because I know a lot of times emotion plays in it. I'm a Fed fan myself, so we just need to look at things in perspective. So I wanted to look at the numbers here. So I compared it to his peak. Uh, 2007, he had the, his career high ELO. So just wanted to compare it just to get a, a numbers perspective on how much better he's doing this year than that than then, but obviously probably vice versa. How much better he did in 2007. A lot of things. Not actually as good. So interesting on serve, he's actually been better in 2018. He he aces two percent more often than back at his peak in his ELO of 2007. He uh, double faults, I guess, one percent more, but he wins three percent more of his first serve points. One second serve is down a little bit, but it's about the same. He saves more break points at 1.3 percent. So overall, he's winning almost 2% more service games in 2018 than back in 2007, which was interesting. So you go, okay, well, why is he not winning three titles a year besides people like Djokovic and the other big four being around? So really the numbers again lie in the return. Um, We can see that with him physically slowing down. So he wins 1.5 almost percent fewer first serve returns number that was really interesting was three it's 3.6 percent fewer per, uh second serve return points slower serve you would think okay you'd be able to get into those but a lot of times those lead to longer rallies so physically not being able to be there i think that one is really obviously separating the 2007 fed from 2018 fed um so ultimately and ultimately well the break points actually it's about the same as far as winning break points but return points overall he's he won two percent fewer in 2018 and so return games overall, the, the ultimate, I guess, result of that is he's winning 4.5% fewer return games. Um, overall, the total points are very, very close, 54.9% um, versus 54.6%. So he won 0.3% more points uh, in 2007. As we know, though, tennis is a game of inches. So those few extra little points here and those important points really do mean a lot. Um, so overall, back then, he was able to win 3% more matches in 2007. So if you put it in perspective, especially with how dominant his serve, it's, it's crazy how Federer continues to amaze by reinventing his game. He gets even better at the serve. Of course, we know physically, though, he's not going to be there as much of a presence on the return game. But I, f- I felt like that was an interesting look at his career versus now. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Um, I just am curious because the sample size from this year of his numbers is smaller than at his peak right because he was playing Roland Garros he was playing all these sure. build-ups so I wonder what it would be like if um, 
if he had played completely, I wonder if these, how much these numbers would change uh, up or down, just considering the fact that he's not playing as many points, not playing as many games, not playing as many matches. But uh, I agree with you. I mean, overall, he's, he's still having solid years and still playing well. I thought right. an interesting uh, point is that his match time on average is 19 minutes longer. So with all the emphasis, I think that he puts, compared to other players, that Fed puts on shortening points and shortening matches, uh, it, it, they're still 19 minutes longer. That's interesting. Yeah, that is. That's a really good point. I don't know if it's just he has to work a little bit harder with the service game, even though he is winning more points and the returns are going longer because he's not able to win them. Because like you're saying, that is one of the biggest differences between Federer and the rest of the big four is his match times are consistently way, way, way shorter. So I think even two hours, you'd see that average match time would be much shorter than the say Nadal's or Djokovic. True. But you're right. That'll be interesting to see how that, how that tracks. I feel like that's interesting. And maybe part of that's just because honestly, Federer's losing more sets. Uh, Federer won many slams in 2007 straight sets, right? That's true too. Most of the way. So I feel like maybe that's the big factor. But overall, I would guess the service games would be shorter. We don't have that number here. But um, yeah, another thing I want to mention, just overall, I guess, I think it would be very interesting to see Novak Djokovic, to see how he ages. Obviously, we know his game is a complete game, but his return game is really what sets him apart from everybody else. All the players say he's able to return so deep. You know, these balls that normally would be a put away afterward. He's able to put them deep and neutralize the point, make the serve almost pointless, right? If he's able to get it. And so he's able to get into these longer rallies and win the point. So I wonder what will happen if he ever loses a step, if that, if that even happens with the physio of today, maybe not, but is he going to be a step slower? Is he going to have to reinvent himself like Federer and get even better at his serve and maybe lose a few more return points? Um, it'll be interesting to see his evolution, but honestly, his game isn't slowing down yet. He's in his 30s too. So uh, we will see. So I guess overall, the big picture, sky is not falling on Roger Federer. He will retire when he wants to. The numbers don't say he should. Um, obviously, the most important thing, and he said it before, is he needs to be physically able um, and mentally he needs to be engaged and need to have the love for the game. So um, I think, well, obviously, we'll see what he decides, but I think we'll see him for a couple more years. Um, but just excited for all the matches we get to get to watch of his. All I got to say is enjoy it while it lasts, man, because of all of them, he's probably closest. So yep. sure, he's probably not going to retire tomorrow, but it's it's on the horizon. It is. But we also have the young guns. Zverev showed it uh, by winning. I mean, it's funny, too, because he's that under-20 under 22 card, he was invited over to the next generation ATP finals. Oh, was he? And, but of course, his ranking being high enough, he you know, didn't play that. But he was able to win the actual ATP World Tour finals, which is amazing. And I forgot to mention who won the next gen, none other than Stefano Tsitsipas, another player we've been very high on with his numbers. Um, he beat Alex Di Menor in the final, another young Australian with an amazing return game that reminds me of Novak Djokovic. He's, he can neutralize points. He's a runner. He... Oh my gosh, that player I think will also be good. So I, I feel like we'll see some Tsitsipas, some Alex de Menor, and some Zverev next year. We'll see how they do. Can they get, you know, take away the stranglehold that the big four has had on the game? No one knows, but we will see. Time will tell. Time will tell. So with that, we'll see you on the court.